For information on becoming a guest on Women to Watch, or if you have questions for Susan or any of her guests, please call 215-313-5561 or email srocco233 at gmail.com. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm here every Saturday at 3 on WFYL 1180, sitting down with some amazing women in the Philadelphia area and and beyond, actually, uh, to share their stories about what they are doing with their business and some of the things. some of the stories that have happened in their lives along the way. So today I'm thrilled to have in the studio Jen Cohen-Crompton, who is CEO of Something Creative. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much for having me. I I appreciate you coming in today uh, and giving us an hour of your time because I know you're a busy lady. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm happy to do it. Um, Let's let's get started right with your background. I'd love to know a little bit about your years growing up in New Jersey um, and your family. Absolutely. Um, You know, I always say that the way you end up in life or your the journey that you're on um, always starts you know as a kid and there are things that you can look at now and things that you saw when you were a kid that are very parallel and may have been a little bit of foreshadowing into what you would get into in your life so um, I had a you know I had a great childhood my family and I are very close I have awesome parents Um, and I when I look back you know there are a few defining moments I think which looking back now I say okay now I see why those things happen and one of them is uh I was a paper girl growing up and I think with a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners you'll find that they were also paper girls and paper boys and uh it teaches you very interesting lessons about waking up early and getting things done and um that was kind of the the beginning of me running a business because you pretty much do it on your own you collect the money you pay yourself you give money back to to the company right and um it was very interesting because i used to remember that i wouldn't charge people unless i needed the money so i would collect just enough to pay my bill and then when (laughs) i needed something i would go knock on people's doors to collect for the paper oh that's so funny. But I, I started to realize that I was doing so much work when I could just collect from everyone and I could make so much more money. Right. So it was such a realization. Um, but I, you know, I lived in a small neighborhood and the way that I got the job as a paper girl, I think is very interesting too. We used to have this paper boy who came, you know, every day and every day I would ask him when he would collect, I would say, hey, when are you going to give up your paper route? Because when you're done, you know, I'm really interested. I would love to have it. Yeah, I can do that. Right. Yeah. And, and I wanted to make money and um, it was just something I always wanted to do. And finally, when he was ready to give up the route, he knew exactly who to go to. And he came to me and, I, and that was a lesson too. And just ask for what you want right that's right because if that's he didn't know lesson. yeah if he didn't know I was interested he might have went to someone else right how old were you at that time I was in fourth grade so, so I'm assuming your your parents weren't encouraging or maybe they were were they encouraging you to get a job as young as fourth grade um not encouraging but supportive so you know they they're the type of people that you work hard and you and you get paid and and you can afford the things that you want to afford if you work hard for it. Right. So they were, they're never the type of people that, you know, you should just get handed things. They always believed in rewards based on effort. And they would always say to me, you want that? Okay, well, what are you going to do to make money to get it? Yeah. And so at, you know, 10 years old, I said, well, I got to make some money. I want some stuff. Let me start making some money. Yeah. What a great lesson. Yeah. They were very supportive. My dad used to wake up on Sundays and help me wrap the big fat papers, load them into the minivan and would drive me around when the weather was bad so I could drop them off on Oh, so you didn't do the bike. You didn't do the bike with the basket. I did the bike every day except Sundays. So, (laughs) and then when I um, started to get into track he 
my dad's amazing. He used to um, ride the minivan with the back door open, the sliding door, right. and I used to run next to the van. Oh my gosh! And and Love get the that. newspapers and and drop them off, but I would run alongside the van. Yeah. And he would track me, and he'd be like, "Uh, you were going five miles per hour, you know, and tell me <laughs> tell me my progress." Right. So um, I guess that's another lesson in multitasking, right? Right. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. Did you have siblings? I did. I have an older sister, Okay. Um, which I, I always say is funny. My sister is the most amazing sister you could ever ask for. So supportive, always uh, my biggest cheerleader. But I think I grew up thinking I was an only child, um, but in a good way. The fact that we weren't competitive with each other. Right. We kind of did our own things and we knew what she was good at and I knew what I was good at and uh, we had a great relationship growing up and um, now she is uh, she's a very awesome mother and wife and uh, my niece has my heart she's amazing so um, after my sister you know gave us her niece God gave us because I say that we all raised her Um, (laughs) she lent her to you yeah I don't know how she feels about that but I'll take full responsibility for my niece any day um it it brought us closer together so you know as a family we're we're very close how many years apart are you from your sister four years apart four years apart and she's older she is yes she's older so how about uh, mom and dad what did they do um what did your dad do for for work and did your mom work outside of the house yeah my dad actually worked at the shipyard he um, had an apprenticeship right out of high school, worked at the shipyard for many years. Um, when the shipyard, you know, went through a downsizing and it closed and shifted, um, he now works at the post office. Okay. So he kept a government job. Right. Um, my dad is super intelligent, very smart guy. Um, he he thinks about things in a way that I do, too, which I never realized. So, you know, asking those random questions about how life works my dad is the type of person that asks that question and right. then he finds the answer. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I, I think I've taken up that trait. Yeah. Um, and my mom's a nurse. Okay. And she is, she actually just got a new job. She um, is still at the same hospital, but she has more of a management job at this point. Okay. Um, you know, has always been a nurse. She is so caring. Um great nurse yeah anyone who ever has her she she works in labor and delivery so uh-huh. she's oh that's wonderful bringing new little miracles yeah, into the world every day every day and uh anyone who has ever had her as a nurse only says great things yeah oh, your parents are going to love this interview so. <laughs> i hope they're listening this saturday well you know mother's day that's the <laughs> right that'll be a gift right no they're, they're truly amazing and yeah. i couldn't be doing anything without yeah. them well so. and obviously that's a, a you know a, a testament to them and where you get some of your drive um and and often i see that when people talk about you know they're growing up in their family um a lot of that comes from growing up and we don't know necessarily remember it as you said until you're an adult right and you see oh now I know why that's happening exactly yeah. yeah and there's a there's one other short story which is um when I was younger I wanted a trampoline and my parents you know they weren't all about it because it was cost money and it's dangerous right, and, right um and I really wanted this trampoline so what I did was I created a brochure for them and I cut out pictures of a trampoline. I gave them all the reasons why a trampoline would be wow. useful for not just me, but the entire family. Oh, so. I thought you were going to say the entire neighborhood. No, this no. is why the neighborhood <laughs> needs a trampoline. Hey, well, they, they came over and used it too. Yeah, um, I'm sure. But I, you know, I told them it'd be great exercise for the family. We'd be something to fill up the backyard and all of these great unique selling points. Right. Which um, I think that was my first dose in, in marketing okay. materials. So obviously <laughs> this, it did go back to you. You were creative and you were thinking, you know, um, always coming up with ideas. Um, so d- in your high school years, what types of things were you involved in? What kinds of activities? In high school, I, I loved high school. Some of my best years. Um, well, let's hope my best years are still to come. But right. I definitely had a great high school experience. And when I was in high school, I was involved in um, student government. I also was on the soccer team and I was a captain of the soccer team. Um, soccer was huge for me growing up. It's It still is something that I get involved in, mm-hmm. um, still play on the weekends with a team from uh, college. Oh, that's great. And uh, I had a teacher in fourth grade who, Mr. Hink, who was my favorite teacher of all time. He was the one who encouraged me to go play, even though I never really thought about it. And, um, you know, in gym class, the the boys, you know, would make fun of me for running fast and being athletic because, you know, you weren't I was a girl, right? Right, right. Um, and my 
my gym teacher said, no, go, go try out for soccer. My daughter plays. It'll be great. I played with his daughter for years after I went to try out. So soccer was such an influential thing all the way through. I played through college. Like I said, I still play today. And it definitely taught me so many different things that I would never have learned if I didn't take that opportunity and listen to what he had to say to go play. Yeah. So mentors, so. mentors are great, aren't they? Absolutely. Somebody other than a peer who tells you, you can do something and you should go out and, you know, and give it a shot. Yeah. And, and them having the belief in you is really sometimes all you need. Right. Is for someone to just say, yeah, you can do it. Right. And then you think, yeah, maybe I can do it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So in high school, that was a huge part of, of what I did. Um, I, you know, enjoyed it from every aspect of being a leader on the field, but also playing sports. Yeah. I, I love being active. Yeah, sports are great. They, they do. They teach you a lot of life lessons. It's not just about the, you know, the, um, the exercise of it or the physical part of it. Sure. It's sure. huge mentally. Um, so you went off to Rowan College uh, in New Jersey. I actually went to Ursinus first. Oh, Ursinus. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. you got your master's at, at Rowan. Rowan. I yes. did, yes. So when you went to Ursinus, I'm, I'm familiar with Ursinus, um, what, what did you major in? I was a communications. the marketing? I was a communications major. It was really interesting because um, through my life, I've always had big ideas, but not necessarily knew all the details of them. Mm -hmm. So going away to school, I said, I want to be a communications major. I want to go into public relations. And I remember my mom saying, what is public relations? And I remember saying... I don't really know. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but I like the public. But I think that's something I should do. I don't know. I'll, I'll be a communications major and I'll figure it all out. Right. Um, so I went to Ursinus because I thought it was a great campus. It had a great reputation. I was going to play soccer there. Mm -hmm. So I was a communications and media studies major. And then I minored in French and exercise and sports science. Now, don't ask me to speak a word of French okay, because I, I am terrible. If you don't ask me because I, I had terrible. six years of it. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Right? I can read it. But um, in my head, I don't try to speak it aloud. Um, my accent is just not amazing <laughs> at all. So um, yeah, so I took a lot of communications courses uh, to kind of figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And I also had the opportunity to study abroad. Oh, wonderful. Which again, was another one of those things that going into college, I knew I wanted to study abroad. And my parents were like, where do you want to go? Paris? You know, I was like, no, first of all, I want to speak English. And second of all, <laughs> I don't know where I want to go, but I'll figure it out. And uh, I ended up going to Australia, oh, nice. which was amazing. I bet. I bet. It was. And what year did you do that? In your I did that my junior your year. Your junior year. Okay. Yeah. And so um, after graduation, tell me about your first job out of college. Or did you immediately go into to your master's? I immediately went to grad school at Rowan. I went um, for their public relations program. They had a great reputation in terms of the instructors. Okay. And I was offered an assistantship which uh, allowed me to work on campus under the marketing director there. And so I worked in the Office of University Marketing under Ed Ziegler, who was the director. And it was a truly defining moment, I think, in my career because when I got there for the assistantship, Ed said to me, write a marketing plan for this program. And in my head, I thought, I have never taken a marketing course. Why does he think I can do this? And he said, I'll be here. I'll, I'll be a reference for you if you need help. Um, just go figure this out. And so I put together my first integrated marketing plan uh, with no marketing experience. Wow. And he was, as you said, mentors are great. He was the most amazing mentor. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So all the bits and pieces. I mean, because marketing is a broad term, right? It sure. encompasses all kinds of different things. And we'll talk a lot about that um, later in the show. Um, but, you know, how did you, was he right along beside you while you were doing it? Or did he kind of throw that project to you and then come at the end and critique it. Yeah, he really let me figure it out, which I don't know if he knew that that was a style I preferred or if that was what worked best for him, but right. somehow it worked out very well. So he would check in with me, um, you know, here and there. He would ask me, you know, what do you need from me? How's it coming along? And would allow me to present everything that I had done up to that point. Mm -hmm. He provided templates and research and references, but he really just wanted me to figure it out on my own. Yeah. And um, he took me to meetings and introduced me to all the right people. And like I said, it was a, it was a great experience because I learned how I learn best. Right. And that was just giving me a project, a, a, a problem to solve. And I had to find the solution. Yeah, that's terrific. Um, we're, we're actually going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the years that followed your master's. Great.
from Willow Grove to Westchester, Pottstown to Philadelphia. It's News Talk 1180 WFYL. What woman out there is not tired of the department store shopping experience? Unkept dressing rooms, no customer service, and never being able to find the right size. This is your answer. Come shop with us. We are best dressed, and we are the most exciting new way to shop the beautiful private label of W by Worth. If you're tired of wearing only 20% of your clothing 80% of the time, wardrobe building is a must, and we can show you how to do that and save money. Best Dressed is a business that offers a luxury brand of clothing that will forever be in your closet and always your favorite thing to wear. For the absolute best customer service, easy purchasing and returns, personal custom fitting, and shopping when it's most convenient for you, please contact Best Dressed at 215-266-5680. And be sure to view collection at wbyworth.com. At Bluebell Physical Therapy, our goal is to get you back in the game, back to work, and back to your normal way of life. Our highly respected team provides preventative and rehabilitation services from everyday physical and occupational therapy to post-operative rehab of your knees, shoulders, or spine. Bluebell Physical Therapy focuses on achieving each patient's maximum level of recovery. Bluebell Physical Therapy, the treatment you need for the therapist you trust. News Talk 1180 WFYL, streaming live at 1180WFYL.com. Hey gang, we're back in the studio this afternoon and we're here today with Jen Cohen Crompton, who is CEO of Something Creative. And uh, we've been spending some time learning about Jen herself, her family, and her background. And we're going to talk a little bit about now um, what she did after she received her master's at Rowan University. So talk to me about those first couple of years um, out uh, and, and what led you to where you are today. Those first couple years were some of the most difficult years, absolutely. Um, You know, you paint this picture in your head that you have degrees and that you are supposed to follow the road of get a job and get the right job and be successful. And know how business works. Exactly. And that was all in my head that I thought those were all the things that were were supposed to happen. Um, And it was very interesting because... None of that happened in that way. So uh, I would say that if if I were to classify those years as anything, they were my growing years. Mm -hmm. They were the years that I truly figured out who I was. And you only figure out who you are when you face tough times. Right. And challenges. Absolutely. So those few years were very challenging. I had a couple jobs. Uh, My very first job was working at a portrait studio where I was supposed to be doing marketing. Mm -hmm. And the position quickly transformed translated into or I should say transformed into an admin job and I remember very distinctly framing a photograph and in my head thinking I went to five years of school to frame this photograph this is not where I'm supposed to be right Uh, and luckily for me I was fired from that job and (laughs) lack of interest probably (laughs) right and I was um, I was a little disappointed but I knew that it it wasn't the right place to be so what I did I looked at jobs that I thought I wanted to have in five or 10 years. And I looked at the job descriptions and every job description that appealed to me had requirements. So I said, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. If I have to get to this goal, then I have to check off these requirements. So let's figure out what that means for me and what I have to do right now. And one of the things that most of the job descriptions had was agency experience. So I decided I need to go to a PR agency. So I looked up every PR agency I could found a few and had a couple interviews and I worked at a PR agency for quite a while. In Philadelphia? Yeah, right outside the city. Okay. Um, And I worked there very specifically. I took the opportunity because the owner of the company was a successful female entrepreneur Mm -hmm. who started a PR agency. And I thought that's what I want and that's who I need to look up to. So the closer I can get to her, the more I can learn. Yeah. And I can eventually maybe understand how this all works and get to that point. Yeah, that's impressive. You were very thoughtful about what you were doing at a young age. Yeah, and I think part of it was that, you know, the first day of grad school, I walked in, they said, write down on this piece of paper what you want to do. And I said, I want to own my own business. No idea where that came from. 
Um, but I definitely wanted to own my own business and looking at very successful female figures and learning what they did to get to where they were was just became very important to me Mm -hmm. overall. Yeah. So, you know, working alongside this very successful public relations professional, I wanted to soak in everything I possibly could. I respected her so much. And I just felt that, you know, if she can do it, why, why couldn't I do it? Yeah. I just needed to learn too, that you realize you you really do need to kind of um, not necessarily shadow someone, but that you didn't go in and say, I know how it, how it goes. I can do this all by myself without really learning from somebody who's been doing it for a while. Yeah. And I think that that's from having mentors and from understanding the value that they can bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to have someone who supports you, who wants you to be successful. Right. And when they want you to be successful, they are willing to tell you whatever it takes to get there. Right. So that, you know, the job didn't pay very well. Mm -hmm. It was very far from where I lived, but I wanted that because I saw the bigger picture. Right. So how many years did you spend there? Um, months. I was there for uh, eight months, I think. Okay. And it was very interesting because when I left, it wasn't, it wasn't my idea. So I was fired. Um, <laughs> basically, my, my boss said to me, which I thought meant a lot, was she said to me when it was time for me to go, she said, I think that you're going to do amazing things in this world. I just know that they're not here. And so we we have to let you go. This is a hard decision. And I wish you so much luck. And I will serve as a reference for you if you ever need one. And at the time, I was devastated because this was my first real job. Right. You know, the other job before it was a job, but I knew that it wasn't my career per right. se. Right. Um, this was my first real job. And I felt like a failure, 100%. And at the time when she was telling me this, that I wasn't absorbing what she was saying. I was only thinking about in the immediate moment, I now don't have a job. I'm a loser. And that's really what I thought. Right. And it was a hard time after that. It was really hard to figure out exactly what I wanted to do um, and how to get there because this is at a time that the economy wasn't excellent. Mm -hmm. And I was waitressing. So, you know, I started waitressing to make money. It was a job that I actually really enjoyed. Um, But I, you know, would go up to the tables and say, hi, how was your evening? Um, This isn't my real job. This is just something that I'm doing right now to make (laughs) some money. And they would look at me like, we don't care. Can you please just take our order and serve (laughs) us some food? So, um, you know, I I felt like I was always doing other things on the side, you know, trying to um, do some consulting, Mm -hmm. seeing what could actually work for me. What do you think was going on back there when you when you think back to that PR firm? Um, as I'm listening to you talk, um, I'm wondering if it was your um, your independence, your your knowing that you had something that you wanted to do on your own. So perhaps when you were at that job and maybe the, even the previous one, um, you were just always kind of putting your own uh, opinions out there, and and maybe they felt you were too green, not ready. Yeah, you know. I think that I've grown so much in terms of understanding the business world. And I think when I first got into the business world, I didn't really understand how to navigate my way through and how to fit into a company and make it work where I was really focused inwardly. I was really focused on me and what I wanted to accomplish. And I think that sometimes maybe that got in the way of the bigger vision of the company. And um, you know, I was never disrespectful in any way, but I do think that I had lessons to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think that's important to point out because I think a lot of people, um, you know, men and women, it happens. You, you're o- almost over eager and very sure. goal oriented. And, um, at times you have to be so much of a team player. It comes across as though you're, you know, just not willing to learn. Right. And, and I, th- I had a lot of innovative ideas, you know, getting into blogging and all that stuff when people weren't quite ready for that. Okay. And I think that I didn't understand that there needs to be a process and there are reasons that there are processes. Whereas I just wanted to go, 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 go. Right. And I think, you know, looking back, I can see how maybe that was a little overwhelming for, you know, someone coming into an organization and being like, hey, let's change everything and let's do this and that and the other thing. Right. you know, even though that was kind of the wave of the future, it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the way that I approached it was maybe the best approach. Right. So um, I, I definitely 
through those opportunities understood what was important to me, what wasn't. Mm -hmm. I understood my working style. I knew that I didn't want to be involved in a hierarchy that wouldn't allow me to climb any higher until I logged a certain amount of time or years. Right. Okay. So I didn't really want to be restricted. Right. Um, And even into... You know, I had two other jobs after that. And the the very last one that I had before my business really became my full-time job, I remember sitting in a cubicle and thinking, I want to bust through these walls right this moment because I am not doing what I need to do sitting behind these walls. Right. right. And, and I need to get out there yeah. and I need to do something else. Yeah. Where do you think that, um, that drive came from? You know, I... I I ask that question a lot on this show because um, we always are trying to inspire other women who who have some ideas and they're out there and they just don't think that they can do it. And um, for you, where did that drive come from or that belief that you could go out and have your very own business? I think that the ideas were kind of manifested inside of me. It was something that I always just wanted to do. But like with a seed, you have a seed, right? It has, it needs water, it needs sunlight, it needs outward things that are going to support it to make it grow. And I would say that my environment, the people that are around me mm-hmm. are the ones who, who said, do it. I've never been doubted by my parents ever. And my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, said to me, you always want to start your own business, why don't you do it? And I remember looking at him and going, I don't really know what I'm doing. He said, no one knows what they're doing. Right, right. He said, you just figure it out as you go along. Yeah, I love that. And he said, if you fall down, I'm here to pick you up. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Let's talk about your husband. So he was with you at the start of all of this. He was. He actually was with me before I was fired from my my PR agency, my devastating firing. So he was there to catch you for that fall? He was. And it was interesting because I remember when I was fired thinking... I really like this guy and I just started dating him and he's going to ditch me. (laughs) (laughs) I am a loser with no job. You know, what is going to happen? Yeah. Um, And he was there all the way through it. Where did you two meet? Um, We actually met at uh, down in South Philly at one of the Mummers Clubs. Oh, yeah. He's in a string band. He's in Frallinger string band. Oh, that's so cool. Yes. And a friend who I worked with at the PR agency, um, she told me that she was a mummer. And we grew up down the street from mummers, used to watch the parade every year. Yeah. So she said, I can bring you down to the to the club. Would you be interested? And I said, absolutely. So I come down. Everyone wants to meet a mummer. Right. Why not? I mean, (laughs) we we watched the Eagles game. We had a great time. And then she took me to um, Avalon string band, which was the string band Jeff was in at the time. And so Mm -hmm. she took me to their club and I remember walking in and seeing all of these men and beer and I was like did you just take me to heaven I think this is where I am like what is happening (laughs) men and beer huh it was it was great and um one of the first people I saw was Jeff who's who's my husband and um I remember looking at him and thinking he looks so familiar I sat down at the bar I started talking to the guy next to me which was his brother. And he asked me, where'd you go to school? I said, Ursinus. He said, oh, my brother went to Ursinus. Oh, really? I said, who's your brother? And he goes, that guy. And I said, he looks so familiar. I knew I had seen his face before. So oddly enough, we both went to Ursinus, but But we didn't really meet. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's fate. Yeah, absolutely. And what does he do? Um, He works at SEI. Yes. And he is um, an internal services director. So he makes people happy. (laughs) (laughs) he makes clients happy good that's a good job yes and he is a he's the the numbers guy so he is he is the numbers to my creativeness good that's a great combination you're creative and he's the numbers guy (laughs) yes (laughs) so let's talk um a little bit about how what's the very first step you took to start something creative what's what's the very first thing you did you had you knew you wanted your own business you knew that you were um you know that marketing was probably your niche So what did you do first? I think the first thing I had to do was try to figure it out. I had a client who was my very first client who I actually interviewed with for a different role. And when I went in to interview with them, they talked to me about my marketing skill set. And about a week later, they came back to me and said, are you interested in consulting for us? And I said, sure. And they said, okay, I need you to respond to an RFP um, and fill out a proposal. I said, absolutely. So the first thing I did was Google proposal and how to write one. Um, (laughs) Very good. And I figured, you know, I'll give it a shot and we'll write it and we'll see what happens. And then I talked to a few people in the industry to find out what we should be charging. 
and um, just kind of started to build it from there. So that was really the first step was getting that first client on board, right? understanding what that looked like in terms of scope of work, Mm -hmm. and then understanding what that was going to charge. So, you know, how that was all going to come together. And as I was doing that, I was also working full time at the same time. So this was my my last job before I really got my business going. Okay. Um, I started my business while I, I was still applying for full-time jobs because I still needed the funding. Right. You know, I had been out of out of a real job for a little while. Um, you know, I got myself into this position that I was, uh, you know, in the hole. You know, I looked at my bank account. It was red. It had a negative sign. I didn't know what that meant. I found <laughs> out it meant that I didn't have any money. So she Googled it and she figured uh, that out. Right, right. <laughs> and then I said to my parents, you know, I've, they, they bent over backwards to help me out and get me back on my feet. And I said to them, I'm going to pay you back and I'm going to start a business. And I think that that may have been the only time that they were a little bit nervous about my decisions. Um, but they completely trusted in what I had to say. They helped me out, got me back on my feet. Um, and I took the full-time job as well as the consulting gig at the same time. Okay. So I could learn how to build the business and I could fund the business. Okay. Um, so, you know, waking up at 5 a.m., trying to get a workout in, uh, doing phone calls before I actually went to my full-time job, doing phone calls at lunch time at my full-time job and um, taking phone calls on the way home from my job and staying up until midnight to get everything done. Well, it's a good thing you were exercising because that's a huge amount of energy that you need to do that. Absolutely. But you know, it's, that is my sanity sometimes is, is the physical exercise and the things that I do to kind of escape from everything that needs to get done. So I I tried my best to stay sane. Yeah. Now, so at that time you were obviously working out of your house or from home you didn't have a location um I did see that uh you have a a new office space is that right we do yes yes it um it's been very interesting I I worked from home for quite a while I realized that the biggest struggle with working from home and sometimes you have to do it is uh separating your your real life from your business life right so without distractions exactly and and you it's hard to turn it off and to turn it back on yeah so um, we did make the decision uh, three years ag- or two years ago, I guess, to get an office space. Mm-hmm. And now we just moved into a completely new office space um, that I've had the pleasure of decorating oh, and designing, which yeah. has been really and, great. And where is it? It's in Havertown. In Havertown. Okay, yes. great. Okay, we're going to take uh, one last quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk all about the services of something creative and what makes you different from the other marketing companies out there. Great. Okay. Thank you. From Willow Grove to Westchester, Pottstown to Philadelphia, it's News Talk 1180 WFYL. Want your home to look great for company from out of town, moving to a new place, or just want the satisfaction of a clean, healthy home? Whatever your reason, everybody needs to clean. So why not choose the line of cleaning tools that makes your task easier? Quickie is your one-stop cleaning solution with everything you need to get the job done right. Whether you're cleaning one room or the whole house, Quickie has the right tool for you. It doesn't matter if you prefer a more traditional mop and bucket or if you'd like to save time with a new Quickie spray mop. Quickie has everything you need to get the job done. Founded in Philadelphia 60 years ago, Quickie's commitment to quality and value have helped it grow into the number one cleaning tool company in America. It's Quickie and it's clean. Look for Quickie products at Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, ShopRite, and other fine retailers near you. Is your online store cluttering your house and garage with your product? Does it require you to spend all your free time shipping packages, leaving you no time to work with new customers or develop new marketing initiatives? Now is the time to free up your space and time and let ABC Fulfillment provide you with cost-effective warehousing, order processing, and shipping for your products. Our 20,000 square foot warehouse is conveniently located in Ambler, PA. ABC Fulfillment is a 100% woman-owned and operated business and has helped many small and mid-sized businesses solve their warehousing and order processing problems. We pride ourselves on our attention to detail as well as our excellent customer service. When you call us, you will always speak with someone who can help you solve your problem 
and not be asked to leave a message. Our personal touch and expertise separates us from the rest. Last year, we shipped over 150,000 packages for our customers, including order processing and shipping for the Jill Steals and Deals segment of the Today Show, saving our customers both time and money. If you would like to spend more time finding new products to sell, reaching new customers, and marketing your products, now is the time to call ABC Fulfillment. Please call 215-628-3154 and ask for Eileen or Lisa to help you get started. News Talk 1180-WFYL, streaming live at 1180-WFYL.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're here on 1180 WFYL Women to Watch, and my name is Susan Rocco, and today I'm sitting down with Jen Cohen-Crompton, who is CEO of Something Creative, and I'd like to um, end the show talking all about the services that you provide and what Something Creative is all about and and how you're different. Um, And I'd like to read something that I found on your website before we start talking about it, because I found it to be... um, I think it describes who you are and why you are successful. Um, And you said, and this is a quote, um, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think of you. I really love that. Um, And I wonder if you can talk to that and, and what exactly that means to you. Sure. I think that it's so important to be true to who you are. And with every business that we work with, it is so important to always stay true to their mission, to their vision and their values and understand that what other people think of you and how they perceive you isn't always accurate. So what you can do is be true to who you are. And eventually, if you are true and you have great character and it is a true representation, then other people will start to perceive that as truth. So it's not necessarily just about managing a reputation. It comes from the inside out. Absolutely. So you yeah. have to live it, breathe it, be it before other people can believe it. Right. And, and that makes people trust you. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and it's just a matter of being authentic. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want out of people. That's what we want out of businesses. Right. We want businesses to be honest with us. We don't want to be tricked. Right. We want to know that you are genuinely interested in what is in our best interest. Right. And same with people. And that's the way I work with my clients. Yeah, that's great. Anyone who I work with, it is the decisions that we make are in the best interest of the client, not of me and my pocket. Right. And, so. and I guess a lot of what you do is trying to help them to be authentic helping them share their authentic message, their brand, what it is they're looking to, you know, uh, send out. Right. So, and and understand who they are because they don't yeah. always know that. Right. Or they just can't find the right, you know, way to put it together to present it. I think that's why it's important to have people like you because a lot of businesses, they kind of have an idea in their head of the message they want to put out there, but they don't quite know how to do it. Right, right. And they and a lot of times that will just stop them from putting anything out there. Right. Because they feel like it has to be completely perfect mm-hmm. and they want to make sure that it is the right way and that people are going to perceive them in that way. And sometimes it is a huge barrier yes. to getting out there. Right, absolutely. And I always say it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be done. Yes. Because do something rather than nothing. Exactly. You do nothing. No one can find you. No one can do business with you. You do something. People will start to find you. Right. And then you can mold your message as, as you need to. Yeah. So let's talk about social media that that's um, one of your specialties, I guess. Um, and how it's really changed every business, every company, social media. And I think people struggle often with what it is they should be putting out there and what they should be holding back. You know, just bombarding people with information is not a good idea. So there's there's four things that I saw on your website that you kind of talk to and, and help people with. And the very first thing is to purge. So talk to the listeners about what that means. Yeah, so purging is is something that is for your business, but also for your personal life. Um, in your business, it's really weeding out all the unnecessary things that are going out there. Um, it's understanding who your audience is and being very laser focused on what you want to accomplish. Two times or too many times, the scope is too big, right? And you can't do anything because your efforts are so scattered, right? So even when you're working with a business who has 
they have multiple outlets. Sometimes you focus on one part of the business, you create a model, then you're able to replicate it through the other parts of the business. But without being focused on that one side, then you can't necessarily be super effective. Right. Um, and from a personal standpoint, you know, from a from a business from a person who runs a business um, to a person who just wants to be more successful. Purging means getting rid of all of the things that don't contribute positively to who you are and what you want to accomplish. Right. And this is a hard thing for people to do. It is really hard to cut people and things out of your life, out of your life that doesn't contribute back to you because you have to identify those and then you have to figure out how to part with them right if they if it's been a part of your life for a long time right and and sometimes they are so negative that and they've been a part of our lives for so long that we don't even realize that they're a negative right so you kind of have to take a step back and you have to say what can I get rid of and um you know one of my mentors uh Jen Groover who mm -hmm. is an amazing businesswoman right you know, what I love about her is that she is so down to earth and that material things to her mean nothing. And it's very interesting to see someone who is so successful, who is not driven by, by material things. She's driven by inspiring people, right. by experiences. Right. And so for her, you know, she doesn't care about the latest designer bag or wearing labels. Um, you know, she creates her own clothing line and she's happy to wear that. And yeah, yeah. she will take someone else's dress and make it her own and it'll be beautiful. Yeah. You know, and, and she has been someone who has really taught me this lesson of understanding what you can get rid of and how sometimes those things just stand in the way of accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just it simplifies your life. You know, it just enables you to breathe and kind of enjoy, you know, the things that are going on when you don't have all that clutter. Right. Yeah. Right. It's freeing. Yes. Very freeing. Yes. And her being that way, I'm sure, is why she is so successful. People are drawn to her. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So the second thing um, that you talk about is interacting. And, and I guess that's, you know, we hear the word engage a lot. You have to kind of engage with your customers, your clients. And so how do you um, teach people to do that? Yeah, well, social media is such a great way to do that. And it's really about giving people what they want, not what you want them to have. So if you're looking at social media from a promotional standpoint, a marketing standpoint, it really is only 20% promotional. It's 80% of what people actually want out of you. So one of the clients that I work with, SAP is our biggest client, and I do a ton of content creation for them for their business innovation blog. And what we do is we give people real information that they really care about based on what they're searching for and what they want to know in our areas of expertise. We don't shove our products down their throat because that's not what they want. So right. as much as we may want to get those messages out there, that's not what they want to get. Right. So it's about giving people what they want, interacting with them, being responsive to them and turning it on the turning it on the customers and the consumers. It's all about them. It's not about us as a business. Right. And, and, and their needs. What is it? What is it that they really need and, and are looking for? Yeah. What do they need? What do they want? Absolutely. Yeah. That is that is the way that it's going with online and digital marketing is that the consumers have the control right so you can easily shut something off if you're not interested right so as a company you have to keep them interested right. and that's by being relevant and transparent and giving them what they want right and they're directly giving you feedback which is so wonderful yeah yes. and, and it's great to take that feedback and to actually do something about it right exactly so and not just let it fall by the wayside or else they feel like you're not listening. Yeah. And that's a huge part of social media, too, is the listening part of it. Right. It's not just telling. It's listening. Mm -hmm. um, OK, so the third thing you talk about, and I love this, that that you care about being funny, because I think, you know, humor is huge, you know, um, keeps people resilient. You know, if, if you're somebody who can see humor in things, you know, you're going to stay strong. So um, what types of things do you guys do for inspiring and, and just kind of, you know, keeping things light? Sure. You know, there's one thing that I always say, which is, um, you know, we don't necessarily save lives in what we do. You know, we're a marketing company. So we do content creation, we do social media, we do all that fun stuff. But we are not as important as someone who is a surgeon and saving lives and, and doing those things. So when something happens that doesn't necessarily go in our direction, or we make a mistake in some way, my thought is, it's not the end of the world. It is a problem that we need to find the solution for. Right. So if you sit there and you dwell on a situation you're not doing anything to make it any better right so it's always about you know keeping things in perspective mm -hmm. and and being fun about it because 
we're here to live, right? We're here to have fun. We're here to make a difference. And if you can't make light of a situation, then you're just going to be sad. Yeah. And, and we can't, (laughs) we don't have time to be sad, (laughs) right? right? Because we have too much else going on. We should be happy and and have fun. And I think I'm hilarious. So, (laughs) you know, not everyone agrees. Um, I'll give you an opportunity to prove that to us. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I, I, I love laughing. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I married my husband is because he is funny as, as much as I hate to tell him that. Um, well now he knows, but (laughs) like you said, it keeps us resilient. It keeps us strong. It keeps us happy. And, and, um, you know, we did a we did a stash for Sandy, which was um, we mailed out postcards and mustaches to all of our clients and anyone who requested one. And if they took a picture of them with this with the stash and posted on our Facebook, um, we would donate a dollar to oh, Hurricane Sandy that. victims. I love that. Was that your idea? It was. Yeah. yeah. So it was a way to have some fun. Yeah. But also to help people out. Right. And, you know, in situations like that, we we um, donated the money. We donated five hundred dollars to uh, two families. That's great. And we were able to give them a collage of all of the people wearing their mustaches. Oh, I love that. So, you know, not only did we give them a little bit of financial relief, but we also gave them some comic relief. Yeah. A by, smile. By showing them the mustaches. Is that right. on your website? I'd love to see it. Um, it's on our Facebook page. It's on your Facebook. Yeah. Page. OK. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you have lots of stories like that. And I'm wondering if you can share um, just a story, maybe something, a project that you worked on for one of your clients that sticks out in your mind for reasons, whether it went terribly awry or, you know, perhaps it was something that it was really memorable and you're proud of. Um, You know, a really interesting campaign that we did a few years ago was for Uniball Pens. And it was very interesting because it was early in the social media years. And we did a campaign with them where we gave out 10,000 pens a day for 30 days. And it was awesome. And we had a huge social media push behind it. We did a full 12-month campaign that we did social media um, contests and things all throughout the 12 months. But what was really interesting was when we first uh, distributed all the pens, we got a lot of feedback through social media that we weren't quite expecting. So one of the big lessons that we learned was to always be prepared. And when you give control to consumers, you have to understand that they are going to come back with something that maybe you didn't anticipate. (laughs) So one of the things that was very interesting, again, was that we we were doing the campaign based on Uni Super Inc., which was supposed to prevent check washing. So I don't think many people are worried about check washing, but this was something that was part of the campaign. And we, since, you know, we wanted to tell you that Uni Super Inc. cannot be check washed, we're going to send you a pen to test it out and give us your feedback. We sent out three, three different types of pens, or I'm sorry, one type of pen, three different colors, blue, black, and red. So on our Facebook page, when we got feedback, the feedback was, why did you send me a red pen? I cannot sign an official document or check with a red pen, oh. which was very <laughs> interesting. And uh, everyone popped, everyone had an opinion on it. Right. And they all went to our Facebook page to tell us how they hated their red pen. And what we decided to do was to create a post about what you can do with your red pen. So we wrote things like draw a heart and give it to someone that you love or give it to a teacher who might use it to put a hundred on a paper. Right. So something positive like that. And um, we got awesome, awesome feedback saying you guys are, you listened to us. Right. You've responded. Right. And you used humor and we love it. Yeah. That's awesome. That was a good lesson. Yeah. Um, we have a few minutes left and I, I, I didn't mention the fact that you teach at Philadelphia University and when did you start to do that and what made you decide that, that you wanted to be a teacher? I started teaching uh, three years ago as an adjunct professor, and very interestingly, this was another thing that I knew growing up I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to teach high school students. I knew I didn't want to teach elementary school, but I always thought that I wanted to be a teacher in some capacity. Mm -hmm. So about three years ago, I got an email looking for um, an energetic energetic communications professional with an entrepreneur attitude. And I said, oh, that's me. That's me. Pick me. (laughs) So I emailed right away, sent my resume. And all the while I had been looking for those opportunities to teach. And this just happened to be one that literally, you know, fell in my lap. And I reached out to um, the person who posted it. Mm -hmm. And she did an interview with me. And that day she said, okay, I have a course for you. you. You can teach. Wow. And I remember getting in the car and calling my mom 
I was almost crying. I was so excited. Yeah. And I said, this is great. This is something I always wanted to do. Yeah. I said, I just, I just accomplished something that I always wanted to do. Yeah, check that How amazing is that? Yeah. And, um, I love it. I teach, I teach at Philadelphia university and I teach at Delaware County community college. Okay. And how many days a week are you there? Um, it all depends on which semester, but I teach about three to four courses a semester. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Um, I'd love for you to leave the listeners with you're extremely um, energetic and inspiring. And I just I just love the fact that you um, are not afraid to do things every day different and you're not afraid, afraid to fail. Um, so if you can just leave the listeners with a little tidbit of, you know, don't be afraid. Get out there and do those things. Try. Don't be afraid of the failure. What would you say to the women in particular? Yeah, I mean, it's all about what's the worst that could happen so, so many things I've done in my life have, have been on a whim um, or, you know, they've been maybe well thought out. So maybe not on a whim, but on the fact that I had no idea what was going to happen when I tried to do it. No guarantee. Right. And mm-hmm. I, there was a quote that I heard the other day, which was do it scared. Because if you wait until you're not scared, it's too late. So do it and just, just do it. Just give it a shot because what's the worst that can happen? And usually the worst that can happen is that it doesn't work. Yeah. I think and so what did you lose? You, right. pro- you probably didn't lose anything. You probably gained a lesson. Right. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. And it was some, some great conversation. And um, if you could just lastly give your contact information so people can get in touch with you. Sure. My website is somethingcreativemarketing.com. And my email is jcohen, C-O-H-E-N, at somethingcreativemarketing.com. And thank you so much for having me today. Oh, you're welcome. I really enjoyed it. So that's it, everyone, for this week's uh, Women to Watch here on 1180 WFYL. My name is Susan Rocco, and please uh, join us again next Saturday for another amazing woman in our area. Have a great week. For information on becoming a guest on Women to Watch, or if you have questions for Susan or any of her guests, please call 215-313-5561 or email srocco233 at gmail.com.